You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, where we try to bring you information that's useful, that's helpful in preserving and protecting and passing down your legacy, preserving for the benefit of others as well as yourself all the material wealth that you have managed to acquire, of material property, whether that is uh, land, homes, bank accounts, uh, life insurance, retirement accounts. We talked to you about how to make sure, number one, you get the best use out of it. Number two, those that you love, whether they are your blood children, your relatives, your brothers and sisters, your nieces, your nephews, your churches, sororities, fraternities, are benefited and financially uh, made more secure by taking advantage of certain particular legal strategies, having certain legal documents prepared and done for you and executed by you. That will make all the difference in the world to your children, your grandchildren, your churches, your institution of higher learning when you do it. Um, this program is brought to you by my law office, Wills and Trusts LLC, where the only type of law we do is to prepare wills, trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives. We assist people in administering estates and trusts. So if you or someone you know needs a will or a trust, give us a call at 240-638-2828. 240-638-2828. And as I say each week, if you have a question about these things, about wills, about trust, about deeds, what happens to property when someone dies? Um, call me now while I'm on the air. This is Talk Radio at 1-800-450-7876. Try to call early so I have more time to explain the principles, if possible, you know, about what you're you're calling about. Uh, so call 1-800-450-7876. Try not to wait until the very end of the program. I'm on here for an hour and a half. So call now. And please understand something. There are no dumb questions, none at all. I want you to call so I can explain how the law works, at least as best I can. Because if you have a question about something, I'm sure hundreds of other people out there have that same question or a similar question. And I will do my best to explain how the law operates in this area, okay, of wills, trusts, power of attorneys, probate, and so forth, okay? But please remember, there's no attorney-client relationship established by anything said on this program, anything on my website. It is strictly educational and for your information only. You really have to see a lawyer for your, to take care of your individual questions, okay? But you are welcome to call in and you're invited to call in while I'm here on the air. And of course, if you'd like to consult with me to prepare your documents or review the documents you already have, 
give me a call at 240-638-2828. Law is truly powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything that you do. What you don't know really does hurt you. And what you do know empowers you. So each week, this program aims to empower you by bringing you professionals who know the law to inform you and to educate you. Property is something that is precious. My grandmother used to say, they don't make no more property, okay? They don't make no more land. There's only a finite amount of land in 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 the world. And if you are diligent enough, lucky enough to have inherited some, to have acquired some, I urge you to protect it. Take the steps that the law provides to make sure that your wife, your husband, your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your schools, your churches have the benefit of this property. Don't waste it. Don't waste the opportunity to be able to direct who gets your property after your death. If you want to give it away to strangers, that's up to you. If you want to give it so that and say it's to be sold and the money is to be used for scholarships for other children, the money is to be used for research into curing sickle cell anemia or cancer or St. Jude or, you know, whatever benefit, don't waste it. You have the opportunity by having a proper will done, by taking advantage of what the law provides, you have the opportunity to create and do so much good. That's what's called legacy. And everybody can create their own legacy, okay? Let your legacy be one that is not only powerful and helpful, but let it be one that is, that is easy to transmit. When you die without a will, you leave a mess, okay? When you die without a will and say, well, I'll just leave it to somebody else to deal with it, you just diminished what you had because your heirs, let's say you die without a will, the law takes over at that point. It says, okay, you didn't say it. You didn't say what's to happen to your house. Even though your children or your grandchildren are living in your house, you didn't make any arrangements for them. And so we're going to tell you, we're going to tell them what they can do and how they have to do it. They don't have a choice anymore because you didn't make a will. They can't choose who is going to be in charge. They can, they, if, they, if they agree, which is rare, but if they do agree, they can petition to a judge now to say, Your Honor, we would like to have this person to be in charge. The judge may say yes or no. They may say, well, no, we're not going to. We're not going to name that person, or that person doesn't qualify because 
they can't get a bond. See, what people don't realize is when you don't name the person, when you don't have a will drawn up that says, this is who I want, and they don't have to have a bond, okay, then the court says, even if they agree to it, they force them to get a bond. A bond is a amount of money that is posted by an insurance company that says, if the person runs away with the property or, or, or you know, dissipates the property, then the insurance company will pay for it. But guess what? The insurance company is not going to post a bond. They're not going to give you a bond unless you have good credit, unless you have some kind of resources that they can come and get that money back from you. And I have had clients who had dear friends or relatives in some instances that they didn't do a will or they tried to make their own will and it didn't say anything about not needing a bond. And so we put up the person, the petition, this is the person that everybody agrees should do it. And then the court says, okay, but they've got to post a bond. And then we go to the bonding company and the person does not have good credit. I've even had wives and husbands who could not qualify to be the personal representative in their own spouse's estate because they could not get a bond. One of the saddest cases I ever had was a lady. She was a really nice lady. She was the spouse of the man who died. She was not the sole heir, however, because he didn't do a will. And because he didn't do a will, even though they had no children, he had other heirs besides her that stepped up to take the house, to take part of the house. And because of that, she didn't have a regular source of income that she could show on her credit card, you know, on her credit report and so on like that. The bonding company would not give her a bond and the other people would not consent to her being appointed and so she could never be appointed. A lawyer had to be appointed instead and came in and took over everything. If her husband would have done just a, even a simple will that says everything I have goes to my wife and she doesn't have to post a bond, she could have been appointed. She would have been the personal representative. She could have paid his bills. And then she could have, at the end, done a deed to herself. And it would have been over with. It would have been her house. She could do what she wanted to with it. A will. A, a, a will is critical. A lot of people say, well, they don't get the house anyway. They don't get my property anyway. No, not necessarily at all. One of the biggest, biggest misconceptions is about who gets property when you don't have a will. So let me address that. Let me talk about that in particular. And please, like I say, call in and ask me questions if you have any questions about this. Number one, let me address this first because someone called at the end of the program last week. I really pay attention when you call and ask me questions, because that tells me where your questions are, what you're not quite clear about. And since the objective of this program is to clarify these things for people, 
so that they can then act to do what needs to be done to make sure that their property is disposed of as they want. At the end of the program last last week, someone called and asked about doing a will. Did they have to wait until they paid off their mortgage before they did a will? Because they own property and they wanted to make sure their daughter, in that instance, got their property. Absolutely do not wait until you pay off your mortgage. In fact, as soon as you buy a house, you need to do a will. Okay? As soon as you buy a house, you need to do a will. If you own a house, you need to have a will. Because guess what? That is property. You actually own the house. You just owe money on the house. That's all. It's just like anything else. You own it, but you got to pay for it. And in our system, there's what we call a mortgage. Most people get a mortgage from a mortgage company, and they pay every month, usually, for the rest of their life, almost 30 years. Um, And let me say something about that, too. A lot of people are refinancing their mortgages right now. Let me alert you to something that is huge. I got caught in this myself because I didn't pay attention. When you refinance your mortgage, don't just look at the lower interest rate that you're getting. Look at the continuing term of the new mortgage. Let me repeat that. Let's say you have a 30-year mortgage, and right now your interest rate is 4.5. And you see on the news and your banker tells you, hey, you should come in and refund. And, and let's also say you've been paying on it for eight years. Okay, you've got good credit, good record. Banker says, you know, oh, wow, I can, I can drop your rate to 2.5. That's great. That is very great. Reduce your, 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 your monthly payment and so on like that. But be extremely careful. What they usually will do, unless you are aware of it and you catch it, they will refinance your mortgage to the lower rate. You will get a lower monthly payment, but they refinance it to another 30-year term. So guess what? You had paid for eight years already. You don't get credit for that eight years. They refinance it to a new 30-year mortgage, which means from the, like, if you got your mortgage eight years ago, what would that be? Uh, uh, 2003, 2003. No, that's not right. That's not right. I can't even. 2011. Okay, now that's 10 years ago. Let's say 10 years ago. You've paid up until now. You find out you can drop your mortgage, okay? And they refinance it. You get a lower rate, but you get that 30-year term starts all over again. The, 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 if you started in 2011, that 10 years that you paid just went down the drain, okay? So number one, first thing. Try to always get the shortest-term mortgage that you can. Always ask for a 15-year mortgage. Always. Okay? Often, the difference in the monthly payment between a 15-year mortgage and a 30-year mortgage 
is very small. Okay? It is often that monthly payment is often very small. If you are refinancing a 30-year mortgage, try to refinance, and, and you've already paid 10 years or something like that, even 15 years. Try to refinance it for 15 years or less if you can. And the other thing that you do is always ask that there is no prepayment penalty. Now, what does that mean? The mortgage itself, you always want to maintain the ability to pay it off without having a penalty. And you say, Ms. Mitchell, how are they going to penalize me for paying off the mortgage? Guess what? A lot of mortgages have what's called a prepayment penalty in them. So you want to make sure that there is no prepayment penalty in any mortgage that you have. Likewise, if you're going to try and get a lower refinancing rate, make sure that the term of your mortgage is not extend it to another 30-year term. Ask. It doesn't hurt to ask, okay? Ask them. Say, hey, I want to get a 15-year mortgage. What would that cost me to get a 15-year mortgage? What is, what? even if they, because they're going to they're gonna get their money out of you, trust me, okay? And it may even cost you $4,000 to refinance because you've got to pay fees. Now, that's, 4000 or whatever the fees, refinancing fee would be, they will build into your mortgage if you'd like, okay, if you ask them to. But even if they do that, try to get the term of the mortgage to be less than 30 years. Because that's, that's, that's something that a lot, I got caught in that myself. I didn't think about it. And so when I refinanced a couple of years ago, the 30 years started back all over again. And I'm thinking I'm almost, you know, I'm halfway through paying off my mortgage. And I looked at the term and I was like, oh, my God, what is this? Anyway, back to will. As soon as you get a house, do a, do a will. Designate who's going to get that house. Who's going to get your property? Now, will should distribute all of the property that you have. It should say, if you want to give different properties to different people, it can do that. If you want to give everything you have to one person, two people, or whatever, it can do that. But please, I beg of you, have a will. Don't wait. You don't have to wait till you own, you've paid off the mortgage at all. Paying off the mortgage is wonderful. But your heirs will greatly benefit if you give your property to them in a will. A will or a trust. You know, but if you have a trust, you also have a will too. Uh, and I'll, you know, if you want me to, I can explain all of that. But you want to have a will. If you want to give property to certain people, okay? If you want to give property, for example, to your grandchildren, we talked about that last week, you must have a will. If you want to give property to your sisters, your brother, your siblings, um, you must do it in a will. If you want to give property to your best friend, your significant other, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, uh, your church, 
the sorority, your fraternity. You must do it in a will. The law will not automatically distribute your property to these people. Even if, let's say you have, you had two children, and God forbid, one of those children died before you. And so now you only have one child left. But the child that died before you had children. You may assume, and I've had people tell me this, but Ms. Mitchell, I thought that my property would go to my surviving child. No. Guess what? I've seen it happen. The children of your predeceased child will step into his or her shoes and take along with the child who survives if you don't have a will. If you don't say, I want my surviving child to have a will, have my property. I'm not sure if that means that there's a call. No? Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, If you don't have a will that says my surviving child is the one who gets my property, then grandchildren who have no relationship to you, and I have seen it happen over and over again. I had a man who died with a very large estate, several million dollars worth of property and money. He had a child early in his life, and that child had grown up. That child had children. It did not appear as if he was very close to that child, and he had married at one point and had another child. The other child, through his wife and his this new child here, never met either the child, the, the older child, nor her children. And he died without a will. The wife and the child over here assumed that they would get everything. They, the wife apparently knew about this other child. She assumed, and I think he assumed, that since she had died already, she wouldn't get anything. And as so often people do, he just never did a will. Well, guess what? The grandchildren, the children of the first child, who had never I don't know if those children had even ever met their grandfather, the person whose money this was. And he had a lot of money. I don't think the grandchildren had ever met him. I know that the wife and the daughter never met them. And yet they came in and they took a significant amount of his estate just because He did not do a will. So if you are the spouse of someone who has a child, not by you, if you are the child of someone who has children and or grandchildren that they're not very close to, you can blame me and tell them that the lawyer said, if you don't do a will, all of this that you have, 
will have to be shared with grandchildren or children who, in many instances, you've never seen or you're not close to. I've had children show up that hadn't seen their parents in 30 years, and yet they show up with their hands out, and the law gives it to them. The law gives it to them because they didn't do a will, okay? People will say to me, well, I want my sister or my brother to get my property. you got to do a will. The only time the law gives to siblings is if you are not married, you have no children, you have no parent, then the law of intestacy will give to siblings, but they give to all siblings equally. So if you want a particular sister or a particular brother to get, you have to have a will. And they all get equally as well. So you may have one brother who is well off. You may have one sister who's never been able to afford their own house. Why not do a will that says, I leave my house to this sister? And if you want to give your brother something, give him some money or give him some pictures or something like that. But take care of the sister that needs it or the brother that needs it. I have clients who have homes, and they let their brothers or their sisters live in their homes. In their wills or in their trust, it says, when I die, my house stays in my trust in that instance because you want to control after death. You're not giving it out. I, I give my house in trust to my children, but I I demand that my brother who lives in this house will be able to continue to live in that house for the rest of their life. So even though the, the child owns the house, they can't put that brother out. They can't put that sister out. They can't put your mother or your father out of the house because you created a trust that said that. Okay. Uh, I, I, talked last in the last part of the program about how critically important it is that you do a will. So there is no mistake because if you don't have a will, the law takes over and the law has very specific rules and regulations about how your property is to be distributed. And it is not necessarily at all what you think. Uh, I mentioned before that people assume that if you have two children and one died before you, that when you die, the the surviving child will get everything. The law isn't going to do that. If the child that died first had children, their children's going to stand in their shoes. If you have a spouse and no children, people assume that the spouse is going to get everything. Now, every state is a little bit different, a little bit different, but by and large, there is a law in every state in the United States that says if you die without a will, you die what we call intestate because you had no last will and testament, and when you die intestate, there's a law of intestacy that controls the distribution of your property. 
And although there are differences in each state, it, they're usually minuscule, but they all control regardless of your wishes, regardless of what you said to somebody, regardless of what you wrote in a letter, regardless of anything. And why take that chance? Another issue that comes up quite often is I paid for mother's care. I paid for, and sometimes that's a lot of money. I've had people call me and say, "Miss Mitchell, I took money out of my retirement account. I remember one lady called and said, I paid over $80,000 to take care of my parents. And then they died. Did they die with a will? No. Was there any written agreement that that money was to be paid from their estate before it was distributed among all the heirs? No. If you pay money for, it sounds mercenary, but it's real, especially when it gets to be a lot of money, like it can quickly in today's world. My God, I was talking to a client of mine uh, yesterday, and one of the places they were looking at was $11,000 a month, a month. And they're not poor, but they can't, you know, that, that would deplete the estate completely. Um, and you don't know how long that's going to be for. So let's say you, you did pay for things. You paid for, sometimes I'll have clients that say, well, I put a new roof on my mother's house. You know, that was $20,000. Don't I get that back when we sell the house? Your mother's will or your father's will has to say that, or you need to have a written document that says, when I die, pay back whatever money my so-and-so paid for my care or pay back to them whatever money was paid on my house, you know, before the distribution of the rest of the estate. There's got to be some, or there must be a written debt instrument that's signed before they they die. It is these are these are important things that make such a big difference. So when you come to a lawyer to do your your will, or when you bring your parents to do their will, if you expect to be repaid a certain amount of money or money that you put in, you know, before it's split among the rest of the children, please tell the lawyer so that we can say that in the will or in the trust. Likewise, if you want to forgive any debt that you may have loan money to your children, a lot of parents, a lot of my clients, the parents gave them the down payment on their house. Or they gave them X amount of money, you know, especially right now, times are hard. And so a lot of people may be giving their adult children some financial help. And it's just, if, if they don't expect to get paid it back if they died first, it may be that you want to get paid back if you don't keep on living and the person starts to work. Well, that's different. That's fine. Okay. But let's say, again, God forbid, you died before it was paid back, then, you know, say in your will, what do you want to have happened? You can say, I loaned so-and-so such amount of money, or you can say, I want 
that money to be deducted from whatever part of my estate this person would be receiving. Okay, so that way the other brothers and sisters will know or your spouse or whoever else is getting from your estate, they will know you gave that money to that person and you want that money back and then it'll be distributed among or however it is that you said. The flip side of that is the same. If you gave money to somebody during your life, I shouldn't use the word give because give means it's a gift. The proper term I should be using is loaned money. If you loaned money to someone and you expect to, and and you want to forgive it if you die, let's say you loaned your child $10,000 for whatever reason, and if you died, you don't really want that money back. You know, they don't really have to pay you back, nor do they have to reduce their legacy by that amount. Then just say so. I forgive my children or whoever it is, whatever debt it is. Sometimes clients will loan money to friends of their children. I had one lady that did that, a substantial amount too. And she had a a promissory note that said, so-and-so owes me $20,000 and it's due and payable. It It was a properly drawn up note. And when it was owed, Uh, And she said in her will that if that note is not paid by the time of my death, then I direct that that note be paid to my and one of her children. That's who who would get that money. And then a couple of years later, we met again, and she told me the note had been paid off. So it it became a non-entity, all right? Um, But please, I beg of you, do these things um, and do them properly. Now, I understand. I just noticed I have two callers on the line. Yes. Okay. Uh, hello, you're on the air. How can I help you? Yes, good morning, Attorney Mitchell. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. How can I help you? Attorney Mitchell, um, at the beginning of your your radio shows, you always say there's no attorney-client relationship. That's correct. Yeah, in the program. Okay. Yeah. Okay, now, I feel kind of silly asking this question, but as you say, there's no stupid questions, okay? No, 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 uh-uh. Okay, so I have several questions. So my first question is, what's involved in establishing an attorney-client relationship, and what's involved in dissolving the attorney-client relationship? You hire the lawyer. I mean, oh, it's the is if you hire, when you hire a lawyer, when you have a consultation with a lawyer and you're paying for it, you're, you know, you come to the lawyer and you're talking to that lawyer, okay, about your particular circumstance, then that usually, uh, quite often, sometimes lawyers will say, well, we have to have an engagement letter, you know, that, that's another way of making sure that there is an attorney-client relationship there. But when I'm talking on the air, and people call up or I'm giving you general information, I can't, there's no attorney-client relationship there because I'm talking in general. I'm talking to thousands of people. And your situation, I don't know if you've noticed, but one little fact can make all the difference in the world between what is appropriate for Mr. A and what's appropriate for Ms. B. 
So when I give you information over the air, there cannot be and there is not any attorney-client relationship. I don't want people going off and writing their own wills or doing certain things without getting specific consultation from a lawyer about their particular situation because they might do it wrong. They might do it, you know, because, you know, sometimes a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing, they used to say. And you really have to go to a lawyer for this kind of stuff. You really do. Okay. You so really do. Let's say the the lawyer is hired. You have an, uh, an engagement letter, a free agreement. Mm-hmm. What's, involved, what's involved in dissolving the attorney-client relationship? Does there have to be you a, a letter? You <laughs> I Well, you can. You certainly can. Yeah, you can. That That is one way to do it and say, I no longer hire you. I ask you to return my documents or you hire another lawyer to do the same thing. Okay. If another lawyer takes over, usually lawyers will have some kind of a, a, a written documentation that says, I'm no longer representing you. Uh, a lot of times in the, the last letters that I give to people, I'll say, this is, this terminates my legal services for you unless you hire me for something else. You know what I mean? So that it's, it's clear that I've now done everything I promised to do. You can always come back to me for something else or from further modifications, but at least I've finished this particular engagement. Yeah, okay. but you, can, you always have the right to, to fire your lawyer. What mm-hmm. is the scenario for uh, where there is paternity that has not been established but, of course, recognized? Does that child out of wedlock prior to the family uh, establishment, is that child entitled to anything without proof or or how how would that work or would it work well i'm well 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 i'm assuming that the father in this instance died without a will so let me let me just make one thing very clear you do not have to leave anything to any particular person so that the father in this instance can have a will i want to make this very clear the fa- if, if if you are either the child or the spouse of a man who has or a woman who has children not by you, you can tell that person or you yourself can have a will that says, I leave my property to somebody else and not include that other child. You do not have to include all of your children in your will. In fact, one of the most important things, in fact, when I do presentations, I often only half-jokingly say, you men, it is extremely important for you to have a will and make it clear who is to inherit from you. And sometimes by absence of naming somebody, make it clear who is not. So let me, let me first make that clear. Regardless, even if you are a child born in a marriage who is clearly a child of the person involved, no question of paternity, so that person, that man or that woman who is your parent can do a will and not leave you anything. So let's make that real clear. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Now, now, if you die without a will, that's the only time it comes out. Mm-hmm. If you die without a will, mm-hmm. 
And the law of intestacy says that your children inherit. Maybe you don't have a spouse or maybe you have a spouse. The law of intestacy will say the spouse gets a percentage and the children get a percentage. That's how it's usually written. Most laws will say a child has to be, if there's a question, has to be legally acknowledged or legally adopted if they're not a blood child. Acknowledgement is governed by the state where you are. And so in most instances, it would, it would be shown by uh, the, the, the parent. Almost always it has to be the father in this case because it's clear who's a, a woman's child. The father paid child support. The father uh, uh, went to the birthday party. The father, you know, said, this is my child, in other words, even if his name isn't on the birth certificate, you see, because that happens a lot. You know, years ago, a woman didn't fuss about having the man's name on the birth certificate. So maybe he didn't legally, if if the name's on the birth certificate, that's acknowledgement, period. Okay. But if they're not, but they have legally acknowledged this child, then fine. Now, when you get beyond that, when you get to the place of he didn't do any of those things, but they still think that they have a right because they're the child, then you have to get into the specifics of the law about how they prove it. And that's something I'm not familiar with. I, don't, I haven't done it in so long that I would, I would be remiss in trying to tell you exactly what facts that child would have to bring to the court to prove it because it would take somebody saying no you're not a child and you have to prove it okay somebody would have to say you know that okay you you got the probate the man has died there's no will so now you're before the court let's just say uh their name was left off okay the name was not there and and in if you notice well you may not know but in, in every probate, when you open the probate, there are publications of what's called a notice. It's called notice of appointment, notice to creditors, and notice to unknown heirs. It's a one-page document that is published in the newspaper in all probate cases. Well, in probate cases in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia, for sure, and I believe all over the country. Un- it's one document with all three uh, uh names, you know, titles, notices, that is the legal notice to unknown heirs. It gives you six months in which to come in and claim that child who you're in your description Uh who may want to be or thinks that they are a child of the decedent. They have to come in and make their claim. And if they do not, then they are barred. If they do and somebody disputes it, then they have to prove that they are. And that's when you go to look at the law in your state or in that court and determine how do you establish paternity of, of this child. Understood. And I don't know the specifics of that. Okay. Yeah, but very good question. Thank you. I have you. another quick question. When okay. heirs do not re, uh, are not left in wills, uh, mm-hmm. Are they still considered heirs? Uh, uh, like a letter from an attorney that says, uh, you are heirs, but you get nothing. Yeah, they are, because the heir, heir is a term that we use. 
the, the full term is heir at law. And what that is, is they would inherit if there were no will. And oh. even when you have a will, even if even when you have a will, at least in D.C., you have to establish that these are the people that would have gotten if there was no will. And Got so it. they're still an heir, but they're not a legatee. A lot of people we use the term legatee, legacy. You get a legacy from a will, okay? Often we use the word legacy. So in D.C. especially, we have to say this is an heir, and they want to know who's a legatee. So sometimes legacies are not heirs even, you know, because you can leave the people who would not be your heir. Good morning. You're on the air. How can I help you? Good morning, Ms. Mitchell. Yes, yes, yes. How can I help you? Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. love your show. Got a question that thank you. You, made me think, you made me think about. If you're married, you. If, you, if you were once, if a person once married, divorced, uh-huh. have one child, uh-huh. now the divorce, the the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the divorced uh, person has uh, your ex has more than one child, but you only have one child. You divorced, uh-huh. no will yet, you, no will, nothing, no will, no trust. Does mm-hmm. the, does the divorcee entitled to be considered an heir? No, no. Okay. Okay. If, you, if a person dies and they're divorced from someone, the divorce separates or destroys the marriage, to put it bluntly, okay? And so when you die without a will and you are no longer married to that person, then no, that person is not an heir. Your child is, but not the, the, not the divorce, the person from whom you are divorced. I'll put it like that. Thank right. you. Thank you very okay. much, ma'am. Any other? Okay. Okay. All right. Any other questions? Is that is that all right? Now, now, one thing I strongly recommend, and a lot of family lawyers don't consider this: when you get a divorce, do a new will. When you get a divorce, and you have children, still. Do a will and a trust so that what you do leave is clearly going to be used for the benefit of your child, whether you have custody or not, if that's your intention, okay? When you, I try to get family lawyers to think about this, but a lot of times they don't, and I know they got their hands full anyway, and when you're going through a divorce, you're not thinking straight, okay? But... A trust in, it is the way in which you can protect the children in a divorce. You, let's say your husband and wife, you're getting divorced, and you've got two children. Regardless of your feelings about your soon-to-be divorced spouse, most people love their children, and they want to make sure that the children are cared for. They may not want their soon-to-be-divorced spouse to have their hands on anything that they leave for their children. And so you can create a trust, and you can name someone else. Let's say it's a man, and you want to you name your brother to be the trustee to manage what you're leaving for your children. You have life insurance. I try to get family law 
lawyers to, to talk about as part of the divorce settlement, get life insurance, but get the life insurance and pay it into a trust for your children. So, and, and you can have your brother or somebody else manage that money for the children, but at least you are sure and your spouse, ex-spouse can have some level of financial security so if God forbid something happens to you, at least your children will be financially provided for. So please consider that, you all, when you're either getting a divorce or when you are divorced, you can have a trust created for you that says, my children, this is what I'm leaving for my children. And if they are not of a certain age when I die, X amount of money is paid into this, and even your property, if you want, can be left for their benefit, and you can name somebody else entirely to be in charge of it. And that way, you're sure that the children are taken care of, because that's a biggie. That's a very, that's a big thing, okay? So please do think about that. And uh, another thing that happens a lot, people get divorced. And they never change the title on property. I have several properties. I have several clients that got divorced. They both moved into their own houses, but they continue to own the original house together. When you get divorced, the house property that was first owned by both of you together, usually as tenants by the entirety, the ownership is split in half. So that now you are joint, I'm not joint, I'm sorry, you're tenants in common. So each of you have an undivided interest in the house. A lot of times people will come to me years later and say, well, in the divorce, she was supposed to give me the house or he was supposed to give me the house. But they never changed the title. They never changed the title. It was just sometimes not even in the divorce decree. But if it is, we can then do a D, pursuant to the terms, the written terms of the divorce decree or separation agreement, and we change the title from both of them to the one that was supposed to get it. Please make sure that that is done before one of you dies, because it's much harder to do after you die. Okay? So, yeah, divorce is a, is a biggie in which estate planning can be a very important part of it. Um, and it is, if you include it, it is often a way of making sure that the children are carefully cared for. Okay? It's very important. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. And I'm answering questions as I try to. If you have questions, call in one 800 Four five zero seven eight seven six. Do I have another caller? I'm not sure. Is there another caller on the air? Good morning. Is there anybody else there? No. Okay. Well, let's continue the conversation. We're talking about wills, trust, and estate planning. What happens to your property when somebody dies? Um, it's the only kind of law that we do at Wills and Trust LLC. That's the name of my company. You can reach us uh, at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. Uh, 
240-638-2828. And we'll be glad to send you the client information form to fill out initially, and then we'll have a consultation and see what needs to be done. That's 240-638-2828. We are continuing to work remotely, but we are getting it done. Please, uh, if you have questions now while I'm on the air, call me now at 1-800-450-7876. That's 1-800-450-7876. There's another caller on the line. Okay, can I help you? Good morning, you're on the air. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, I had a relative that, uh, or, or really not a relative, but a friend, and their family member had passed away, and they had uh, a retirement that they worked for the state. Now, mm-hmm. but the relative didn't have never was married or had uh, any children or anything. So mm-hmm. would the retirement go to that relative um, family members, uh, mother, father, or brother and sister? It depends. Probably, and I answer it that way because when it comes to retirement accounts, those are contracts that are entered into – it's it's in the fine language that nobody ever reads, okay? But the 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 state usually has a company, often you know Prudential or you know some other finance company that actually manages the money, and the retirement contract will say who gets the money if you die without naming a beneficiary, okay? So again, beg your friends and yourself to name beneficiaries on their retirement account. Because if you don't, it does, the contract will govern who gets the money. Now, quite often, the contract will will be very much similar to the law of intestacy, you know, which is, you know, if you have, if you're not married, have no children, then it goes to their parents, okay? The parents are dead, then it goes to the brothers and sisters. Uh, and then down to nieces and nephews. Uh, but you have to get in touch with the company who manages the retirement fund, and they will tell you in the contract who is to be distributed. That allows you to make a informed decision and disposition of your financial assets of your property, of your bank accounts, of your life insurance policy. If your intended heirs are adults, may I recommend, number one, do a will. Number two, use beneficiary designations on your retirement account, your life insurance policy, on your bank account. If you have a bank account or a brokerage account, you can put on them beneficiary designations. Those are very effective, powerful, cost-effective ways of distributing property easily and effortlessly after your death. 
okay? It, and you should take advantage of that. It's just filling out a beneficiary designation that says, this is who to get whatever is left in these accounts. You do that if you are, if the intended beneficiaries are adults. So if you have adult children, adult sister, brother, mother, father, whoever it might be, put down beneficiaries, okay? Still do your will. Please, I beg of you, it makes such a difference. Still do your power of attorneys and advanced medical directives, which will govern taking care of you, yourself, who's to take care of you, if God forbid you become incapacitated before you die. But... Please do a will. Don't think just because you don't have children that you don't need to do this. I have had brothers who inherited from their brothers, and then they died, and then they died. And it kind of goes across the family, but because there were no wills, the amount of legal fees, and the time and the energy and the court involved and the court fees and the taxes and so on that were completely unnecessary is outrageous. It, it results in a very significant diminishment of the legacy that is available if you simply have a will. The will says, a properly drawn up will says, this is who is in charge. They don't have to have a bond, which I've explained earlier, can be very important. And this is who gets my stuff. That's basically it. And it, But it does have to be properly executed. It has to have witnesses, usually at least two. And it has to have that attestation clause in it, which says the person signed in front of me and I signed as a witness in front of him or her and the other witness. So please let lawyers prepare these documents for you so that you can be sure that they're done properly. And then once you have your will and or trust, I haven't talked much about trust today, but that's definitely an option that you want to explore with an estate planning lawyer. When you do them, then please tell the person either who is going to inherit from you or the person who's going to be your personal representative or executive, where the original will is. If you are sick, if you live alone, you may want to give the original will to the personal representative, to the executor, who is going to be in charge of following your wishes. If you don't want to physically give it to them, tell them where it is. If you insist on putting it in a safety deposit box, which is not necessary, but if you insist on doing that, then put their name on the box and tell them that their name is on the box and where that box is physically and where the key is so that they can get to it. I can't tell you how many people said to me, my father, my uncle, they told me they had a will, but we don't know where it is. Do not depend on just giving them a copy of the will. In some states, you can get the copy admitted. In some states, you cannot. 
And often it's a huge difference. In fact, more likely it, there's a huge difference when somebody dies without a will and when they die with a will. You've been listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Give us a call because the only thing that we do is wills, trust, and estate planning. We assist people in administering estates and trusts, and we counsel and guide you as best we can. We help you with your deeds. I really insist on looking at people's deeds because so often they don't say what people think or they just never got around to finishing it up. You know, they never got around to getting it out of their grandparents' name. They never got around to changing it when their husband died. It is so, so much money is being lost in our community right now because people are not taking care of their business. And you can't blame anybody for that. Okay? You can't blame anybody but yourself. So you, if you own property, take care of it. Take care that you have a will done. It's a proper will. Speak to the lawyer, whoever you go to, about what does a trust do? How does it work? Would it work better? Is it possible, even when you have a will, to more easily transfer a title when you, de- when you die? And quite often, you can still have your transfer on death deed or your enhanced life estate deed, that's what they're called in the the DMV area, have your beneficiary designations. Sometimes we do all of those things, and it results in not needing to have a probate. In Maryland, there's actually a procedure called filing a will with no estate. And it's really gratifying when we're able to do that because, The assets have been distributed without having to go through probate. And that is always the easiest thing to do. Okay? Likewise with a trust. A trust is done and the assets are distributed the way, retitled the way they should. Quite often, usually, you can do it without having to go through a court process. So give us a call, 240-638-2828. And we'll be glad to work with you, work with your parents or your grandparents and get these things done. It does take time. So please call us. Don't wait until you're sick. Don't wait until if you can help it. Please don't because it it takes time to do these things. Anyway, go get your shots. Take care of yourself. 